0: Thank you. and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble, and this is the Executive Phil Podcast. As you know, this show, along with all of my speaking, coaching, and consulting services, are completely in laser focus on helping organizations and individuals prepare high-performing leaders from all backgrounds to successfully transition to and excel in the vice president and senior vice president executive-level positions. And if you and your organization are serious about developing diverse and highly effective executive leadership teams, one, you're in the right place. But two, I encourage you to visit alextrimble.com or reach out to me at team at alextrimble.com so, so that we can discuss how we can work together to help you and your organization reach its DEI and leadership development goals. Next, I got to tell you, <laughs> The Executive Appeal is now one of the top 5% most popular shows in the world. (laughs) It's freaking awesome. And this didn't happen by accident. It was because of you. You made this show what it is today, and it would be you who determines the continued success of this show. So please, please, if you enjoy this content, do click that like button. Please do click the share button. (laughs) Please ask your questions and share your comments. These things truly do help promote the show and ensure that more and more people get to interact and hear this wonderful content. So with no further ado, let me say, today is a good day. See, today we have the wonderful Sherry Fleming with us. Sherry is an attorney and accredited estate, estate planner focused on helping individuals and businesses build, protect, and preserve their wealth and legacy. She is the principal of the law office of Sherry Fleming and serves as the planning giving officer at Bowie State University and is responsible for cultivating and soliciting of gifts involving estates, trusts, and other gifts that reflect deferred giving opportunities. Now, again, we only bring on the top-notch guests on this show, let me tell you. In 2021, Sherry Fleming was named one of the Daily Record's 2021 Leaders Leadership and Law Generation Honorees. And let me tell you, she deserves it. With no further ado, with no further ado, how are you doing today, madam?
1: I am well. That introduction was spectacular. I'm taking you everywhere on a road with me, okay? That's how I want to be introduced to the world. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, look, I, I, I actually do MC and so If y'all want to bring me to a conference or something like that, I'll keep the energy rocking.
1: Yes, yes. I Thank you for having me. I'm like, is he talking about me? I guess he is talking about me. So, but thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It is. It is a pleasure to be here with you. And I want to start us off on a very interesting note. Um, I wouldn't say interesting. I'm going to throw this out here and you feel free to jump in. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Let's do it. <clears throat> she works hard for money, sweat and sweat. Hard for money, sweat and sweat hard oh, for my, you, you better treat her right. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is a weird opening, but I promise you it makes sense. So my question, the first question we're going to get going with is I think that you work hard for your money. Um, I, do. I know that I work hard for my money. I know the majority of listeners, probably almost every single one of them work hard for their money. And so my assumption is that in the work that you do, you can't keep people away because I, I'm sure people don't want to just give their money away. They, they, they want to protect it. Is that, is that what happens? Like you got, you got so much clientele because people are like, nope, I work too hard for this. Is that what happens?
1: Yes. Yes. So I, um, first of all, let me say, start with, I am a Maryland licensed attorney. I'm only licensed to practice law in Maryland and nothing that I say here should constitute legal advice to you or any of your listeners. This is just an <laughs> informal conversation. So should some legal information come out of my mouth, it is not advice, but information. <laughs> and so, um, absolutely. So my, my clients who are Maryland residents, as well as individuals who conduct business in Maryland, they typically have one main goal for individuals. Uh, it is to preserve and protect their wealth for future generations. Uh, yes, they do work hard for it. Honestly, some of my clients don't work as hard as others, they just have inherited. Uh, So that is something that I'm learning to to get out of as I continue to age. We don't always have to work that hard for our money. But that's another conversation for another time. (laughs) But individuals individuals are typically looking to transfer and protect uh, their wealth for future generations. Businesses are typically smaller in scale, individual family owned businesses. And again, looking to do the same thing grow and scale their business, and then really protect from uh, lawsuits, um, protect from back uh, contracts. Uh, So they engage in real estate transactions. So I pretty much do the gamut. And I think more important for my family-owned businesses and individual business owners is that they engage in business succession planning, which for them, is part and part part and parcel of their individual estate plans. I, I, there's so much that we saw happen through through uh, during COVID um, because everybody had an LLC and you know mm-hmm. these smaller family-owned businesses. And COVID shook the legal world, at least in the in the area of businesses, in two places: um, commercial real estate, and then. The lack of planning that a lot of family-owned business owners they didn't do it, and so when you have people, you you have a pandemic and people are dropping like flies. What? How does business continuity look um, for for these family-owned businesses in Maryland? We have a considerable amount of farms. We have a lot of you know retail family businesses that are just they're they're just in the business of doing the thing, selling the item, selling the goods, selling the service, not realizing. That um, there is volatility there <laughs> in the midst yeah, of yeah. you know an emergency circumstance. So it's it's been an interesting ride over here.
0: <laughs> you, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to bring you on, and I when I had to, is because you're one, you're awesome. Obviously, everyone sees that. Easy, point blank. Um, two, I, I love I love your real talk. Like when I when I first <laughs> met you. Like you were, you were challenging some assumptions, some ideas that, quite frankly, I just, I, I don't think I wanted to be challenged. Um, but when you did, it, it made me reconsider how to move forward. And so, everyone, I want everyone to know, like, so, like, if you're asking yourself, why did Alex bring her on this podcast when we're talking about leadership and how to be successful? Well, because I, unlike Sherry, um, most of the people I work with have not thought about this stuff, right? I have. I work with a lot of executives and people who are who've done very well in their life, and they just they haven't thought of estate planning at all. I mean, if I'm being honest. I mean, I I hadn't done it until Sherry brought it up to me, right? And so I would love to throw you an maybe an impossible question, but you know why do people? What are the reasons that people give you for not engaging in estate planning? <sighs>
1: <laughs> so um, so here's the thing. I'm not shocked. I, I exist in a world where I follow the data, right? And so half more, a little more than half of Americans, and this is all Americans, all cultures, all racial backgrounds included, a little less than half of, of Americans have wills. The will, it can be a, a component of an estate plan, but a comprehensive estate plan Includes a lot more. It includes retirement planning, it includes long-term care planning. It does include a will, you know, to pass your assets. It may include a trust. And so when you think about it, a little less than half. So half of the people I meet probably don't have an estate plan. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at particular cultural communities. I think we're at like twenty six percent of African Americans who have a will. Again, we're not even talking about a, a full plan, but who have a will. And so for me, it's not um, it's not surprising that people do not have estate plans and and it doesn't matter, um, at least my experience. It doesn't matter with with your economic social classes. You're just not going to have it just looking at the data. So with that said, the, there are tons of reasons, the top reason. And I, I promise you, I'm, one of the tit- lawyers have many titles. So you have lawyer, attorney, mm-hmm. advocate, all of these things. And being an estate planning attorney, my premier, my premier title is counselor. And I'm like, oh, I probably should go take a psychology class to really have some backing for this because everything <laughs> I say is assumption. OK, I have no real backing for this. So really check with someone who understands the psychology behind all yeah. this. The number one reason out here is I can't afford it. And I think that is a surface level reason. Um, It's the easy thing to say that'll get someone off your back, right? I can't afford it. Okay. That's just not true. We all afford what we value. Mm. (laughs) And that's just that I had someone in sales tell me that and it was a gut check to me. We pay for what it is that we value. We value food. We value shelter. Some of us value clothing more than others. I value jewelry. I like gold and diamonds, okay? (laughs) Precious metals. That's I value those things. I like designer bags. So we pay for what we value. We put more weight on some things than others. And so I Can't Afford It isn't, a justification. What that says to me is this is not something that you've put value in, although you understand its need. So then my job and why I come on this podcast and why I do a lot of other speaking engagements is to really get people to understand the value of estate Mm -hmm. planning because you you don't miss what you don't have. And so if you haven't been the beneficiary of a life insurance policy or the beneficiary of an asset in a will or the beneficiary of a trust, if you haven't been that, then you don't understand the value of giving that to someone else. But if you have, then you do. And so my job is to kind of get through the minutiae. And the real issue, like I said, is not cost. It is a lack of understanding of value of the importance of estate planning. The second, big, um, the second big reason is, well, I don't have anything to pass that no one will want it. And, go, mm. Mm. and, and I go, and, and I'm immediately, I go, well, why do you have it? <laughs> if, if you don't think anyone will want anything that you have or would want to receive your assets, why do you have it? Why did you work for it? Why did you accumulate it? Like, what is the point? And so estate planning, really, when I do it with my clients and when I speak to people, it's really more so of a conversation about the purpose of life. We got, like I said, counselor, we go really, really deep. Because why are you existing here, spending money, accumulating things, purchasing a home, going to work every day to say no one wants this? It doesn't make sense to me at all. and. Yeah, it doesn't. So that, and and I am, I've always been naturally inquisitive and I have three daughters who follow, well, at least two of them follow in that inquisitive footstep where once I hear something, I'm like, well, why are we doing that? Like, why, why don't you think you have anything to pass? And come to find out when we start really getting granular in the tangible assets, you know, the things that you can touch with your hand, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things are triggers for people. Um, the third reason, quite honestly, and I think this is the prime, the, the, I may have said something else was the premier reason, but that's a lot. This is the premier reason, is that um, no one wants to face their mortality. We, we don't, I, I, as Americans, I don't think that we really um, do a good job. And I say as Americans, cause I'm beginning to study other cultures and how they deal with death. How they deal with estate planning because it looks very different in other countries, um, and, and I'm studying this because again, I'm inquisitive, I'm curious to see how other people do it, and I think that in this Western world, we really don't do well with death. there is a certain human arrogance that we are going to live forever, and we are just we, we just don't want to deal with it, and I'm like. Well, I do know we all going to walk up off this earth at some point. Like death is the only certainty in life. Well, death and taxes. Those (laughs) are the two guarantees in life that you will leave here. Because here's the thing. If you leave at a certain age, you probably never pay taxes. (laughs) But you are going to leave this earth. And so let's deal with that. Let's, Let's deal with who you're leaving, what you're leaving. And what your goals are in life, because a lot of those things I, I come to realize that the, a great plan mimics those things in death. So, if you care for your family now, you want to provide to make sure that they, they're good when you're not here. Contrary is true, if you don't care now, mm. <laughs> if you mm. don't care then. And we can talk about some other things. I, I'm non judgmental, so I just want to help you reach the goal
0: you know you know you you got me think about and you said do you care right um i have two family two examples not my family but two examples of families um one family um there was some estate planning done prior to um p- p- the person passing and i spoke to this this woman and she said oh my god when i lost my mother it was it was hard obviously but she said it was so much easier um when she passed she had the 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 brochures or, or those documents are created um, those are already created she had picked the plot he had paid for this had transferred this they had had done everything the only thing she had to do was agree right was mm-hmm. to be there and have the opportunity to agree um, mm-hmm. as opposed to another family I know um, where there is no estate planning done and that person didn't they didn't think oh they don't have anything really right well yeah there's a, there's a lot of legal documents that need to take place when someone passes and now one of their the, the, the children, they were stuck dealing with all those things for about a year and a half before everything got concluded. Um, not uh, not even saying that the little bit of money that was that was still left in the bank account, um, that became an argument between siblings, um, mm-hmm. who gets what and why, and so on and so forth. And they didn't they didn't feel like they actually got the, the opportunity to grieve until like five or six years later because mm-hmm. they were just so busy. And so when you talk about the do you care about your loved ones thing, like that, I feel like that's something everyone should be asked right now. If you care, if do I care? And if I do care, then is it worth me spending a little bit of money right now, a little bit of energy right now to make sure they can actually grieve? Because it's not about me. It's about them. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I have this saying um, when I run into people. And they give me pushback. I'm I'm not doing that. And I say, you know what? Here's the way I see it. I see estate planning as your final act of love. It is the Mm. last gift. Well, what you transfer is a gift by law if you transfer it for no trade of compensation. But the action is your last gift. It is your last hug. It is your last kiss. It is your last embrace. It is your last gift that you can give your loved ones. And here's the thing, not just your loved ones, because let's be quite honest, everyone doesn't have a ton of people. Like I have a very large village and I'm blessed because of that. But actually, just before recording this, I actually came from a funeral and it was a very small gathering. A lot of us don't have a lot of people. But your final act of love can be towards community. It can be a philanthropic act if you're giving, like you mentioned, I work for Bowie State University. It can be a philanthropic act to your college, your sorority, your your mission, your 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 place of worship. It could be yeah. anything. So, because I think I think another misconception about estate planning can be related to how people view themselves in their family context. And so you have some people who may be the black sheep of the family that's like, well, no one cares about me. And it's just like, well, this is not about that. This is what you care about, who you care about. There are many of my clients with children, grandchildren, all all of the other things that don't give them anything. (laughs) And they give to those things and those purposes and those missions that they care about. And so a estate planet is your final act of love. And it, it doesn't have to be exclusive to your biological or immediate family or, or your fictive kin, because, you know, we all have play cousins. Um, it, it doesn't have to be to those people, but it could be to your community and the, the groups of, of, of people in which you serve. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Trimble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your
0: organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. know I want to I want to talk about that really quickly for the audience I feel like I'm dead pulled now I'm about to break the fourth wall for all y'all in the world right now um if you know someone who's been through a death and there was there was some turmoil around because there wasn't planning I'd love to just hear your thoughts in the comments section and, and it, as opposed to also people who who went through a death and experienced a death who did have structure like how did that make you feel? How, how, how did that make the, the the family come together? Did it make the family come together? So I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comment section. Uh, you talked about kinfolk, and you mentioned that before. Um, I, I, I love I love kinfolk. And mm-hmm. so one thing you talked about, and when you and I first met, is redefining estate planning. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think estate planning is just about the dollars and cents and property, um, but you made a very interesting point that it's not just dollars and cents. You talked about it being, you know, hey, can you know, how is my hair going to be done? You know, what kind of clothes is going to am I going to be wearing? as I'm in the hospital, like you made some very interesting points in regards to what estate planning is. Can you elaborate on on that here for us today?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of my clients are, you know, in the financial world, we talk about the high net worth people. I don't even know them, didn't grow up with them. I don't don't know who these people are. I don't represent them. A lot of my clients are middle class, um, you know, moderate income, hardworking people, And um, a lot of the conversation that we have is about the transfer of assets because they do have significant uh, wealth to transfer, but that's all they come to me knowing about. And so we have to have a broader conversation um, because estate planning is death and disability. And I think a lot of the times we focus on the death, but not the disability. And because I do estate administration, which can be trust administration and probate, because I do, you know, VA benefits, I'm accredited, I do Medicaid stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying this to toot my horn. I'm saying this to kind of give credence <laughs> to experience. I do function in a space where a lot of my clients have um, declining health or a, a, a time of incapacitation before they expire. And so I try to get people to really consider the quality of life that they want to have in the event that they are incapacitated. Um, my father-in-law passed away a little over a year ago. He was on hospice care for six months. And this is something that we discussed, the type, he, he battled cancer for a, um, a number of years. We had these conversations because I do have a paternal grandmother who is in a nursing facility in New York, she has dementia. And we have these conversations with the nursing facility staff, because you got to keep her hair together. I don't want to FaceTime or, you know, and she's looking crazy. That's my grandmother needs to look like my grandmother. And so y'all need to make sure her hair is washed. It needs to be braided. Um, and for me, people laugh all the time. Getting my nails done is something I love to do. I literally got my first job because my mother let me get my, my nails done for the first time at 13. I got my first job at 14 with the sole purpose of keeping my nails done. When I got married and had my, my first kid, my husband was like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you, you better go. You, you do this for yourself because this is something you've done for yourself. That it is something that I value. It's something that I budget for. Every two weeks, I am going to get my nails done. I got them done yesterday because uh, this is usually my nail time and I'm on this podcast with you, right?
0: (laughs) Thank you. That
1: is how important it is to me, right? So in my advanced medical directive, y'all better make sure I have my nails done. I'm not playing. Make sure my nails are done. I'm not a fan of wigs. So make sure my hair is nice. I like braids. Make sure my mouth, I don't want no crust. Make sure I'm kept together. I I spend a lot of time keeping myself together. Our presentation matters to me. I may be a little vain and that's fine. It's who I am. But if I am ever in a space when I'm incapacitated, I want my nails to be done. I want um, urban jazz to play because it's what me and my husband play when we are preparing to go to bed because I have trouble falling asleep and it helps me. Urban ja- I want urban jazz to play. My grandmother, I have about 25 blankets in here that my grandmother has crocheted for me from the time that I crocheted with her as a child. Into my adult life for my children. You better find one of these blankets and put them on me because they smell like her. They yeah. smell like us. Those things matter to me. And in places of incapacitation, you don't know what someone. You don't know what will bring someone's heart jo- heart's joy mm-hmm. when they are unable to communicate with you. And yeah. so these are a lot of things that we don't we don't think about and we don't consider. And the people who are left here to care for us. They're figuring it out with no direction. And that's, again, an act of love is giving direction to those people. So they, they're floating. They're free falling. They're trying to figure out how to manage their life and take care of you. And this is something new because they haven't had to do it before. Make it easy. Make it easy and just give them some instruction.
0: You, you know, one, everyone, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, when you get a chance, shoot over to the YouTube and watch the full version so you can see these nails. She is slaying. <laughs> not, I think that's still a term we can use, slaying. Um, <laughs> and you, you, you talk about this, 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 the non-death piece, the, the medical piece. I, I heard about a woman um, recently I was talking to who um, her, her daughter was in a car accident. Her daughter's in a car accident. And the the daughter had just turned 19. Mm-hmm. And you know, mother is obviously like really upset, heading to the hospital, trying to figure out what's going on, goes talk to the nurse. And daughter's an adult. They hadn't there there's no legal documents saying that they can give information to that mother. Um, mm-hmm. the doc the, the woman was the daughter was incapacitated, so she couldn't do anything for herself. And so again, mm-hmm. it just underscores like. This is a difficult conversation to have if you, again, if you really worry about that mortality. But again, it's, not, it's yes, it, in that piece, it actually is about you. Like You want to make sure you know you have someone who you trust to make good decisions for you um, versus someone who may just want to, you know, hey, let's pull the plug because, you know, I, I got things to do. Um, and I'll share one last really quick example. I, I won't put this person out, but someone close to me um, became very, very ill. And it, they were in a hospital and the doctor was like, look, they got maybe two weeks to live, right? Um, and they weren't cogniz- consciously there. Just they weren't, you know? And so the doctor said, well, do we resuscitate? Mm. And that split the family. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are like no you do whatever you can do to keep my blank i'm not gonna put this person out there my mm-hmm. blank alive and the others are like the doctors just say they're gonna be breaking ribs to try to bring them back alive like l- let them pass and man like how much pressure and and how heavy is that to put it on someone else have to make this decision for you versus you make a decision yourself saying hey look if something happens this is how i want it to be dealt
1: it's it's i i get emotional a little bit when i uh talk about this because it is it's i want families um especially families of color cuz i think we are least likely to have these conversations we just we just don't have them we we're the best secret keepers ever um i want families to really make these types of conversations regular and reoccurring um when you get together for thanksgiving when you get together for christmas um, when my father-in-law and when he was living he would tell this story and everybody would be like this is not funny you two are laughing but it's not funny my (laughs) father-in-law told us for the first time he was diagnosed with cancer in 2015 i believe 2015 yep i had two of three daughters at that time i think his daughter my sister-in-law had two or three she might have had we it's six, six girls, no boys over here. She might've had all three of her kids by then. But, um, so we go up to Philadelphia because that's where they uh, resided at the time. And he's like, I just want everyone around me. We're going to have a barbecue. And I walk in the door and I'm like, where's the will? Where's the will? Where's the advanced medical directive? And he's like, I'm not leaving this earth today. I said that we don't, no one knows the hour (laughs) all the time. (laughs) I know you were diagnosed with cancer, but this is, where is the documentation? Again, I'm the, I'm the in-law, I'm the daughter-in-law, but I'm the bossy one who recognized really quickly. I just did an assessment and I looked at my husband, I looked at my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, and they're all, you know, they all have the capacity to do, they're intelligent people. But I said, I feel like this is going to fall on my plate to kind of lead the charge a little bit. Mm. So let me just get a jump. And so I'm yeah. like, where's the will? And um, it was rough um, because, you know, my, my family, we, my side, my, my maternal paternal side of my family, we talk about everything, but my husband's side of the family, I noticed that they didn't, they didn't really talk about stuff and I would be the forceful one. And I'm like, listen, we got to talk about this stuff. And we did and it was hard and it was rough and it took, acknowledging some things that no one wanted to acknowledge. Um, and we, and if you're going to have an attitude, have an attitude while he's living so he can give you some answers. And so what I want family members to do is to begin to have the difficult discussions early. And so to that point, I did develop this like little difficult discussion guide I have available as a resource on my website with just information of questions that you, can, you should ask yourself about people who you may want to serve in this capacity and questions you can ask them if you're asking them to serve as a power of attorney or a healthcare agent or a personal representative in your will. There are some questions that you should ask them, mainly also not only to see if they're capable of being in that role, but to see if they want to. I find that a lot of my clients, they name people who don't want to serve in that capacity because it may be too overwhelming. And you don't know, you don't get to any of these things or any of these answers unless you begin having the conversations up front. And so everyone in my family, they're over it. Every barbecue, every birthday, Father's Day, um, you know, every friend's just coming over to hang out in the kitchen on the island. You know, we have cocktails and food and we're laughing. And I'm like, okay, so quick question. If you became incapacitated today, who should I be calling? And my one girlfriend was like, you're a buzzkill. But it's I'm telling you, it is a great conversation starter Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. have the conversation without the weight of being in in the situation, because you can think freely to say, well, what I want that, what I want to be resuscitated. And, you know, my husband was very clear. He's like, listen, if I don't know what's going on, take me out of here. And my kids are like, what, what you mean, dad? What you mean take you out of here? And my kids, 15, 13, and five, we can have those conversations. And you know what I found? and this, And I hope this helps somebody. My teenage children have a greater appreciation for us mm-hmm. because they're very clear that we're not gonna be here forever. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to send you to private school and we don't have to buy you nice things. And we don't have to have family dinner. We don't have to spend time being together. Um, We don't have to do this. Everyone can go their own way. We can live separately. But they understand as 13 and 15 that we're not going to be a family of five like this forever. I'm going to go to college. My sister's going to go to college. We're going to start our own families. Mommy and daddy can't wait for us to get out so they can live their best lives. Like, we don't have, they're very clear yeah. because we have these conversations that time is what's the currency in my house. And I love that they value time. They value family dinner. They value that. They they get off their phones and they, they say, I can't hang out with you tonight. I can't go to the movies because I said, I'm going to do this with my family. What well, teenagers do that? And they do it of their own volition. Yeah. But I think part of it is because we have done a a decent job at saying time is, is, is a, is a, is a gift and let's, let's spend it this way if we can. And so I encourage people who are unwilling or unable or have any barriers to to one, go to therapy for real, for real. This, this, you know, Alex said, I speak the truth and all of you will see one. If you come to me, the first thing I'm going to ask is do you have a therapist? Because we want to talk about some things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this and so get it, get into a space where you can have the difficult conversation, the difficult discussion first with yourself, thinking about what you want, who you are, what you're here for, what your purpose is and what you want to leave. I want a footprint to say, I've been here. I've been here for 39 years. And for 39 years, you want to know that I'm here. I want to leave my footprint and I hope I get 39 more, right? have the discussion with yourself. And after you have gotten settled with yourself, then begin to have those very difficult discussions with other people, namely those people who you support and you believe you will need to support you. The one thing that I do want to say, Alex, um, I actually did, I do a lot of small group sessions for caregivers, a lot of small church groups. And I did a session last night and one of the the women who is she's hilarious and she has a considerable amount of assets. She's a single woman. And she said, you know what, Sherry, this is about my fourth session with you. Fourth session because she Mm -hmm. leads sessions. And she said, you know, I just started thinking last night who is going to take care of me? Because it was about long term care. Mm -hmm take care of me. And I told her, I said, listen, well, I can rent you a child if you, if you want. <laughs> I can rent you one of mine. But it's the conversation, the, the difficult conversation you have to first have with, with yourself. As I age, what do I have? Who do I have? Who can I rely on? You, no one is an island unto themselves. And so we have to have conversations about who our villages.
0: I, I want to share two quick things, and I got, I want to slip in another question before we, we get rolling. Um, to the first thing, um, first thing is, oh, you talked about, um, you know, the family having a conversation about how, how things will happen if someone gets sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a, someone I used to work with years ago told me about what happened to her. And she was like, look, you know, my husband um, was sick, really, really, really sick. Um, Doctor gave him so many, like a year or something like that to to live. Um, He didn't tell us that he was sick until about three or four months before he passed. Mm. And she was so mad. She was so mad. And and he said that he didn't tell him because he said he had finally come to like, he come to accept it and he didn't want to go and spend his life like, you know, needles and more drugs and this and that. He just wanted to spend his life the rest he had with them living a normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying what is wrong or right, but the point is there was evidently at least some bit of lack of trust that someone would respect the other person's wishes. Um, and so that, that was a conversation that I I also wish they would have had earlier so that Mm -hmm. someone didn't have to hide it and then kind of force the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the second is, the second is, oh man, what was the last thing you talked about? Last thing you talked about, um, gosh, darn it. Okay. Hope, hope. Huh?
1: The last thing that I talked about was um, having conversations with yourself, oh. with other people.
0: So to that point, I've been talking to more because people probably know this, but more and more people are actually deciding, um, making intentional decisions not to have kids. And mm-hmm. that's cool. Everyone has their thing. Um, I've been talking to more and more leaders who have made that decision who are now older and just, it's just now clicking, Oh shoot, who's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that doesn't make make, make and doesn't mean that everyone needs to have kids and the kids shouldn't be just for taking care of you, but you need to then still have a plan for right. how you're going to be taken care of. So I, I love that you brought that up and I want to throw, you can comment on that, but I also just want to ask you really quickly about the organization that you created, the, our legacy matters um, community. And I, I love you to talk a little about that before we, we start wrapping up.
1: Awesome. So I started Our Legacy Matters because coming into the estate planning industry, I had um, a Caucasian male basically tell me that I wasn't going to be successful (laughs) in estate planning because people of color didn't estate plan. And Didn't have wealth to transfer. This, I'm saying it quite mildly. Um, (laughs) Didn't have wealth to transfer. And um, I took it as a personal challenge. Uh, Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that there was, and still very much is, a lack of cultural competency in this particular industry. Again, understanding what is of value and what isn't of value mm-hmm. for different cultures and different communities. And so my goal in with Our Legacy Matters is really to provide an awareness of uh, value estate planning within communities of color. I don't think that this industry has done a good job at speaking our language. There is a language that we have. There is a swag that we have. There are, you know, there's there's magic over here, like black girl magic didn't, yeah. didn't just come up. Right. It, it's, it, there's magic that we have. That we know of, you know, fireworks and glitter all over the place that we in communities of color, we know we try to harness and we don't want to share. But in that there is a lack of understanding, a cultural competency that is missing Mm -hmm. in an industry where we really we really aren't in this industry um, at all. I don't even think the data exists for how many estate planners of color exist. So for example, in the legal community, less than 5% of all lawyers are black. So when you get into a wealth and finance focused uh, field of law, you can, the data doesn't even exist. I'm I'm on an estate planning council where the data exists for CPAs. Like we were trying to figure it out. And I was like, the data isn't, isn't even available, right? And so imagine now, you have a whole group of people with wealth. What is it? I think it's I think um people of color, I think it's like one point two or one point three trillion dollars that we spend mm-hmm. in the consumer space. So we have stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
1: it's really understanding how to give us the information, how to share, how to educate, how to highlight what is of value. Um, and so that's what I do in Our Legacy Matters. And it is not exclusive to people of color. Um, it is where I provide vetted information. Um, it's it's kind of because I have people, you, you know, um, I'm, I'm the first one to go to graduate from college. I'm the first one to graduate from law school. And so again, fictive kin, everyone who has my number, Hey, I got a question. I'm not (laughs) licensed in your state. I can't answer your question. And so it's a way for, for people to really get vetted information in the estate planning, retirement planning, long-term care planning space, because Google is not our friend. It hasn't been our friend. We need to stop. We need to stop with the Google. We need to stop with the, um, the prepaid legal, I don't want to name yeah. services because I don't want to get sued, but those things don't serve us because they don't understand the culture that we have, the language that we use to express those those desires that we have. And so that's what the space is really for, is it's a it's a it's a translation <laughs> of information in a way that works for us. I'm clarifying a lot of um I have I just added a FAQ cuz I was just like I, I can't some of these things they come up repeated questions um come up so I added a FAQ section but essentially if you go to money and memories so money is singular memories is plural moneyandmemories.com um it's a it's a private uh website you do you don't have to pay you just join and um, from time to time, I'll you know it's equivalent to like a blog, but also a place where you can submit your questions. And to the extent that I can answer the questions, I will again not legal advice. To the extent that I can refer you, because most of the people in there aren't even in Maryland. So to the extent that I can kind of steer you in the right direction, um, not to just anyone, but someone who can provide you culturally competent um, professional services. That's what my my goal is because I find Even when I'm doing a state administration or I'm doing maybe a second iteration of somebody's estate plan, they've already had one. They want to update it because there are many reasons why it's not sit it and forget it. And so they come back to me and I'm like, who did this? Like, who did this? Did they ask you? What questions did they ask you? And there are there are. There are things, there are questions that with the lack of cultural understanding, some professionals will never even ask. They won't even ask. And to me, it's a simple, logical question like, yeah, is this really your brother?
0: Is it? I know you're about to say that. And is this really oh, yeah, that's my brother? No, but, I mean, but really, though,
1: no. <laughs> no, really like like one of the two of your parents are because we we understand historically mm-hmm. we are a people who have been displaced our families have been disjointed we have in a lot of situations more fictive kin than we have biological kin but in our everyday communication mm-hmm. we are referring to this these individuals mm-hmm. as if we're related and it's not an anomaly we're not stupid because of it we're very intelligent but this is the world in which we have lived for generations that other cultures just do not understand. Mm-hmm. They, and you see it and not just in the legal, you see it in policing, you see it in education. And so as a professional of color in this industry, I feel a burden, a weight of responsibility yeah. to kind of close this gap um, of the information gap. Which is also translates to the racial wealth gap that exists. And so it's a racial wealth gap, it, mm-hmm. it's also an information gap. And, and I'm, I'm trying to be a bridge here.
0: <laughs> well, look, I, I know that we have to, our time has come to a close, especially because I think you mentioned some before this that you had to jump off and jump on a three-way conversation between you, Oprah, and the Obamas. Um, So (laughs) I want to just open the floor back up to you. Um, Is there any final thoughts, ideas, anything you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up?
1: Yes. I've been thinking, um, I just want everyone to understand that they are worthy enough Mm -hmm. to plan for themselves and for their loved ones. Uh, you're worthy. Not only are you worthy, you are worthy, but you're valuable. You have uh, ideas to share. There are a lot of prospective clients that I see that have intellectual property that should be protected, that can be transferred to generations. I've seen manuscripts written by grandparents that were never published. That's intellectual property that has been passed down To another generation that they that could be a a wealth source for them, and so I really, really want every listener to really have a clearer understanding of worth and of value, and to understand that everything isn't about a dollar amount. A lot is, but their time is a currency that we do not get back that we waste all of the time. So I want families to have difficult conversations. I want individuals to know their worth. And I want people to get accurate information that they can act upon to be better and do better. And so I just thank you for having me. Um, I want our leaders to lead and not focus so much. Understand that estate planning and business succession planning are a part of leadership. It's a part of leadership, not just the way that you treat your staff not just your gross revenues in a way that you grow your business, but also planning for your succession, building up the next leader. That is a part of leadership and failing to do so is failing to lead.
0: Mm. Everyone, I'm gonna ask you a question right now. If you felt this was helpful content, please put it in the chat box. Please, please comment, please like, please share because this is what I, I need to know if this is what you want to keep it. Do you want to keep having phenomenal, awesome guests like this? Or, or you want me to you know, come on every, every other week and uh, sing a song? We'll, we'll figure <laughs> this out. We'll see what happens. Hey, Sherry, thank you so much. Thank you so much for you're spending your time with us here today. I know you have a million things to be doing, and you chose, you made the decision to be here today to share this information. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Everyone, you know where I'm going with this. If you found anything of value today, don't keep it to yourself. Don't say that person over there should have been here. Don't just look back reach back. Bring someone else to this table. Bring this content to them. Bring them to the content. Again, don't let information that you found valuable, that you found felt that it hit your spirit a certain type of way is going to make you do things and go through life differently. If you found this that that meant something to you, I promise you it means someone else. So don't like, this is an act of love. Sharing this is an act of love. Yes, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And look, Everyone, again, thank you so much for making the podcast what it is. Thank you for making this show what it is. Find me on alextrimble.com. Find me on YouTube. Always click like, share all the good stuff. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.